0: Let us pray. Almighty God, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your faithfulness, for your loving creative order. Thank you for giving us each other to encourage our journey together, to to strive together to find personal and perfect holiness We know we got a long way to go, but we also know that uh, you've canceled the power of sin and death because of Jesus. And if our lives are in Jesus' hands, then we have the power of our Lord through the Holy Spirit to overcome sin and to look forward to eternal life. Therefore, we join together in praying for those who mourn. While they grieve the earthly presence of their loved ones, they can be sure, because of God's grace and love through Jesus Christ, that one day we will be reunited with all of those who have died in faith. We look forward, Lord, to the day of your resurrection, Your return and our resurrection. We rejoice, Lord, that whatever is broken and twisted about this world is not going to remain that way forever and that you for righteousness sake will execute judgment. But we will be found innocent, not because we deserve it, but because our gracious savior Jesus Christ has paid the penalty that we owe you and you have forgiven us in his name. And so we praise you and we thank you for your amazing love that defies all explanation and we give you all the glory as we ask you to honor our prayers, not so much because of our discomfort, but for your name's sake. By your grace, we ask you to intervene in this pandemic, in these economic crises, in our personal crises, in our personal loneliness and separation. We ask you to cure miraculously what needs your touch and nothing else will work. We ask you to bear witness as you have opened your treasure trove of creative knowledge and and, uh, majestic genius to the scientists and the medical professionals and those who would discover a cure for this thing. We ask that your creative and amazing majestic genius might be applied to economic policy and government. We know that for the sake of your chosen ones, you worked through Pharaoh, though he knew you not and he defied you. And so we believe then, Lord, that you can work your will through the world's leaders, whether they know you or not, for the sake of your chosen. And we thank you that because of Jesus, we can be chosen. And so for our sake, Lord, but more than that, for Jesus' sake, for your glory, we pray. Bring about restoration or come quickly, Lord Jesus. We trust you, Lord, and we know that you have told us to expect certain things. And so we accept that possibly we are witnessing those things. And we thank you that you told us in advance what to look for and anticipate. And so we, we pray, Lord, that you would make us patient and long-suffering as we persevere on our way to your glory and your promise. Lord, as a church, as a congregation, we pray, Lord, that you would guide this pastor and these leaders to make wise and prudent decisions and that we would do the things that would be blessed by you as we attempt to restore this family of faith. We ask, Lord, that you have used this time to help us find others to join us in this spiritual journey. We pray that you have used this time to change our view of church from something that is uh, observed from a distance and treated as though it's a, 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 a once a week thing you know we pray lord that you have changed our minds about that that you've changed our minds about sharing the good news with others we we pray lord that we would really hunger for discipleship all of us and that our hunger for discipleship would cause us to willingly sacrifice certain parts of our lives in order to take up the disciplines of a follower of your son our lord king christ and that we would then as a part of that discipline joyfully share the good news with those who will become disciples with us let that be the heart of shiloh lord we pray as earnestly as we can and we hope that maybe COVID 19 and all this has helped us to be more devoted than ever to that well god we pray and share many concerns older loved ones we think of Eldina we think of others who are are going through those stages of life that are inevitable for all of us and pray that there might be comfort and peace for her and for the rest like her and their families we pray for those whose loved ones are far away and and they long for them and cannot be near them at this time we pray for those who who mourn and, and grieve losses that are still fresh. We pray for those who are sick with other uh, problems, injuries, and we ask, Lord, for Mark to be restored to perfect health. We pray, Lord, for those who are, are like him, injured as a result of work and yet continuing to do what must be done. We pray for those who are on the front lines of this battle working right where the sickest people are. And still babies are born, and so we give you praise, Lord, for the Bud's new daughter who joined us even in the midst of all this nonsense and with no troubles and everybody's home and happy. We give you thanks and praise, Lord, because life is going on and we ask that you help us to join you in what you're doing. Oh God, I feel the urge to pray and pray and pray, and I hope that my friends and my family of faith here will do that throughout the day, wherever it feels right that they would just continue this conversation. But for now, I leave it in their hands and I conclude this prayer with the speaking of the words your son, our Lord Jesus taught us, And I pray everyone would join me in saying these words out loud right now. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, Lord amen thank you for praying with me today we will be reading from the gospel of james the gospel of james you know i think there's actually one out there and uh it's one of those books that is forbidden books of the bible i beg your pardon the letter of james the letter of james (laughs) the letter of James I was so deep in prayer I had to come up for air the letter James I want to read to you from chapter 2 and verses 14 to 26 and uh, I would ask that if you have your Bible handy you join me in reading this James 2 starting at verse 14 what good is it my brothers if someone says he has faith but does not have works Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith and I have works You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Abraham was called a friend of God. We're gonna start a new sermon series today that is like the one we just finished. In that, we spent several weeks from Easter to Mother's Day talking about women in Jesus' lineage and how remarkable they were and then celebrated women on Mother's Day. And so in the same way, we're going to study some men of the Bible and celebrate fatherhood and what it means to be a man after God's own heart when we get to Father's Day. And the first man that we're going to meet is Abraham. I started in James because it was such a perfect way to describe what we should take away from our study of Abraham. Now I want you to know that because Abraham's story covers chapters 11 all the way through to 24 of Genesis, it's not going to be possible for me to give all of the information I have gathered in 1,500 words or less and 25 minutes or so of preaching. So this is going to be a review of his character traits more than anything. And then I want to invite men especially to join me at the Shiloh Facebook group Shiloh Iron Men. So we have a Facebook group that is called Shiloh Iron Men. And I'd like men to join me in that group. And you find it on Facebook by putting it in the search box. Wait until we're done, okay? Put it in the search box. Look up Shiloh Iron Men and join the group. And then in that group only, I will be leading an in-depth study of Abraham starting this coming Thursday night at 6 p.m. And it will be a program that is less than an hour, and it will be, you know, a little bit of teaching from me about Abraham. And then hopefully there will be some opportunity to discuss, or at least I'll give you some things to chew on that you can meet with others to talk about however you want. We're going to be working it out as we go. But men, we had talked back before COVID-19 about getting the Shiloh Iron Men group going why do we call them iron men? because scripture says that iron sharpens iron meaning that we make each other better by challenging each other in our personal discipleship our personal holiness and so men I want to invite you to join this group and you don't have to be a Shiloh person uh, you can you can invite your friends uh, men but it is going to be for men. And ladies, all I can tell you is the notes are here. You can read them too, but I'm going to be teaching on these at a slower pace because men need it you know, in smaller doses. Um, on Thursday night at 6 o'clock, and then uh, as we had originally envisioned, it's possible some of you would rather do it at 6 o'clock in the morning when that's fine. You could take the recording and you could have a watch party and do it whenever you want. But we'll work all that out as we go. Right now, I just want to ask you men, join me in studying Abraham and understanding more completely what it means to be a man after God's own heart. Because, you know, as we make our way across the wilderness to the promised land, which is certainly what we're doing right now with this whole COVID-19 thing, the last plague has hit us all and it's the biggie. And so we're trying to find our way back to a spiritual and religious life that is better than what we had before this. And men, I know one of the things that will make it much better is if we step up and take our responsibility for leading our families and our communities and our church, and this group will be a place where you can do that. Please join me, knowing, uh, excuse me, uh, Shiloh Iron Men group, just type that in the search box for Facebook and you'll find it. And then when I get a chance, I'll make sure you all get joined in, but just do it, Please. Now, as we move on, I wanna continue again with reading uh, or talking to you about Abraham. I can't read you all of those chapters. It would take too long. So we're gonna do this sort of overview of his character. The first thing I want you to note is that after Moses, there's not another Old Testament character who is more frequently mentioned in the New Testament. Moses is the only person in the Old Testament who gets more mention in the New Testament than Abraham. So Abraham's obviously a pretty important character for us. And I love that James describes him as God's friend. And why is he God's friend? Because he is faith and action. But his action is informed by his faith and not the other way around. Uh, you can't earn God's love. You can't earn God's friendship by doing good works and and uh, participating in certain disciplines. But you can become God's friend, a man after God's own heart, if you, in faith, accept his love unconditionally. In other words, you don't tell him what you will give up or what you won't give up. You don't tell him that you're not as bad as you think Uh, as he, as God thinks, it doesn't work that way. You have to come completely empty of self and pride and you have to lay yourself before God in utter surrender and say, Lord, I am unworthy of your grace. Thank you for forgiving me anyway through Jesus Christ. I accept his gift of grace on your behalf. I accept his atonement for my sin and I want to have a new life in Christ. Please give me new birth and make me a man after God's own heart because I am a brother to Christ Jesus. That's, that's what you got to do, men. And when you do, then like James says, your works, your words, they're informed by faith. They're informed by the Holy Spirit. And then you are well on your way to being God's friend, like Abram or Abraham. When we first encounter Abraham, he's already 75 years old. And at 75, we can pretty well assume that he's fairly set in his ways and comfortable. And yet, apparently, there's enough discomfort in his life that he heard God's call when a lot of other people missed it. So men... When we pray for your souls, one of the things we pray for is that you would be so uncomfortable that you would begin to hear God's voice. The problem with being self-made men and confident, poised men, is that we can't always hear God's voice. And so I pray that God would bring a little bit of discontent into your life because that very discontent could be the thing that gives you ears to hear and eyes to see. Maybe that's happening as a result of this shutdown, this great hunker down of 2020. We understand from Genesis chapter 11 that Abraham was called by God to leave his father and his country and his city that he was grown up in, he's lived in for 75 years, and to go to a place that is in a sense on the other side of the world now the reason I say that is because if you look at a map you'll find out pretty quickly that a a straight-line journey from where he lived which was somewhere in the neighborhood of Baghdad in Iraq and where he was going was nothing but desert and death and quite a lot of it at that and so it was going to be a long and treacherous journey to the land of promise to the place that God told him to go and establish his people that would multiply And become more numerous than the stars and all this while his wife who was just a little younger than him was already considered barren and he went he went and I think that's amazing the first thing I want to say is is if you're wondering how to hear God's voice the most important thing to do is listen and answer when you hear or when you think you hear You know, there have been times, even in the last 24 hours, when I've said, Lord, was that you? Because something happened that spoke to me. And I wondered, was that Lord you talking or something else? And eventually it becomes clear. Abraham was most notably a man of faith. He was well known and regarded And throughout history as as Abraham the father of faith because when it was time to do what he believed God wanted him to do he did it anyway and honestly faith is uh, it's one of those things that is right up there with courage It's, it's doing what doesn't make sense anyway and men believing that you're Sin may not make you a bad person, as far as society is concerned. In fact, you may be highly regarded by society, but but God sees unholiness, which is essentially a disregard for God, a, a lack of respect for God, a hundred percent of the time. And none of us seems to be able to do that, except Jesus. And and so. First thing that has to happen, you know, when when you want to know what God's call for your life is, is that He's called you to repentance. And it seems that Abram was a man who knew that he wasn't God. That God, you know, because because the big problem most of us have is that we are gods of our own universe. In other words, we we shape our 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 lives around what we want, around our tastes, around our interests around our hungers our appetites and then we assume that God is endorsing that in some way and yet what God says is it's not that you aren't worth giving pleasure to and you're not worth investing in it's that you are the center of your universe and that has to change he wants you to see that you are loved by the one who is the center of the universe of all things. Abram seems to have known that instinctively, which is why he followed God's direction and worshipped God every time he pitched his tent. Abraham left altars all over his travels because wherever he stayed for a while, he built an altar and he made sacrifices and honored God. He knew he was second and that God was first. Now, Abram was a man of faith and truly a righteous man, and there's evidence of that that we'll talk about more in a minute, but I do want to tell you about one weakness he had. He was crazy about his wife crazy about his wife Sarai or it would become Sarah and if he had a tendency to falter it was always with relationship to her because as we read in the book of Genesis whenever Sarah or Sarai involved herself in in certain parts of, of Abraham's life there was this tendency for Abraham to say yes dear I love you. You know, Abraham was the father of happy wife, happy life. And if you think I'm being, you know, mockery, I, I, I feel like making my wife happy is one of the most important things in my world. And so when I say happy wife, happy life, I celebrate that. Because I think for love's sake, there's nothing that gives a man joy like making his wife happy. But the problem is, is most men, and I'll bet Abraham was a lot like this, have a tendency to want to fix things. And so when in the cool of the evening abraham and sarah are talking she says you know god keeps telling you that you're going to have many children and they're going to be the leaders or or the 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 beginnings of multiple nations and 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 children more numerous than the stars and i don't see that happening she says because i'm barren and i'm old and you're getting pretty old and the the truth is, is i don't see us making babies and starting anything And so Abram feels bad because his wife's feeling bad and he loves her and he just wants to fix the problem. And so he says, well, honey, what do you think we should do? And she says, I think you and our maidservant Hagar should start this lineage. And we'll, you know, if she has a son, we'll call him our own and that'll be that. And so Abraham says, well, all right, sounds like a plan. He wants to make his wife happy. And so What he starts, we're still living with to this day. Abraham will eventually find out, as with Sarah, that God had every intention for her to give birth to the child that would start it all. In fact, when God visits as the triune God, this is a whole story that's worth studying in its own right, but but uh, the the three strangers that visit Abraham, he knows our God. He, he recognizes this is God's presence, and, and we think, well, triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and apparently they are visible in, in a bodily sense. And and he, you know, some people will say angels and stuff, but we won't debate that right now. The point of the story is, is he greeted them with the same faith that says, I'm not my God, and this is a representation of the one who is my God. And so he takes everything they say seriously. Meanwhile, his wife's just around the corner, right behind the tent flap, and when they say, by the time we come back next year, you'll have a son by your wife Sarah, and she laughed quietly to herself, but, you know, it's God. And, and God's listening with six ears in this case. And, and God says, Sarah, why did you laugh? And she said, I didn't laugh. And they said, surely we heard you laugh. And so she's been caught with doubt. Doubt that Abraham didn't have, apparently. And eventually this child is born. And when this child grows up, it becomes apparent to especially Sarah... That uh, Hagar, the maidservant's son by Abraham, Ishmael, is a bad influence on her little boy. Now you got to remember, there's at least 13 years difference between them, but but the fact is, is it could have been you know a little more than that, but we'll say 13 years because that's pretty safe. Uh, we know that because Scripture tells us that that's when Ishmael was circumcised, and then along comes Isaac and. And so in any case, Sarah recognizes that Ishmael is a bad influence on her son. And so once again, she says, honey, I don't like the way that Ishmael is talking to our boy. I don't like the things that he's teaching him and showing him. I think you need to do something about it. And personally, I think the best thing to do is get rid of him and his mother. Because apparently his mother was being a little resentful and hateful to Sarah too. And so in one of the worst moments in Abraham's life, and remember it happened because he and Sarah decided that they were going to force God's hand and make the plan work according to their way of thinking. In one of the worst acts of Abraham's life, he casts Hagar and her child Ishmael out into the wilderness and says, you know what, we're done with you, bye. Bye. And it's so uncharacteristic of him because everything else you see in Abraham's life tells you that he's a man of good character and wisdom and and that he's a righteous and decent man who deals fairly and honestly with people. But for some reason on this one, you've upset my wife, you're out of here. The last story I'll tell you about his dumb decisions is also about his wife because when they go to Abimelech, The king of egypt and they uh, want to to try to parlay with him and do some business with him Um, as they get closer to abimelech's dwelling they decide that it might be better if they don't inform abimelech that sarah is actually abraham's wife now scripture doesn't say this explicitly but when i look at the patterns we've already witnessed the first thing i think is, is you know Abraham's about to do something dumb and it involves his wife. Now, please don't hear me saying that there's something wrong with women's wisdom and all that. I'm not saying anything like that at all. What I am saying is, is that when it comes to his wife, his heart overrides his reason. He loves her so much that he doesn't think as carefully as he might have about other things. And the reason I can say that is because, with regard to other things, we have lots of evidence of his wisdom. And his faith only wavers when he tries to cater to his wife's emotional needs. Now, I'm not saying men shouldn't cater to their wives' emotional needs, but I am going to tell you something, men, that I think is obvious in this story. When you think that you can fix what troubles your bride you're already going down a dangerous path. Because with Abraham it wasn't so much about finding a way to placate her concerns or to fix her problems it was about providing her with loving spirit-led leadership. A man must be the leader of his home And what she needed was his leadership, not his solution to her problem. That's where he faltered. Otherwise, he was a pretty remarkable guy. Abraham was a man of integrity, and what we find is, is that after he fumbles with Abimelech, the king of Egypt, they finally come to an understanding, thanks to the intervention of none other than the Lord God himself. And then... Abraham and Abimelech enter into business transactions that are very honorably executed. And it's true of Abraham in all of his relationships with others. He's always a person of integrity. He does business and he does life with integrity. Take, for example, his nephew Lot, who came with him into the journey uh, to Canaan. Canaan, or Canaan, I mean, or Canaan, as some people like to call it. And, And at the entry to the region, Abraham says, Lot, you go right, I'll go left. You go left, I'll go right. Take what you want. That's an incredibly generous and honest thing to do. And he's the elder. And he gives his nephew the first choice. And the nephew says, oh, well, I definitely think I want that. And As soon as he gets what he wants, he heads on his way. And then the Lord says to Abraham, I will bless you wherever you go. I love you, man. And so God blesses Abraham so that he becomes very wealthy and very prosperous, even if he did take the second choice region. And he did so by making wise decisions regarding his neighbors, and making wise business decisions based on his character of integrity. Meanwhile, Lot got in all kinds of trouble with his neighbors, so that Abraham had to come and bail him out. And that is what we want to say about Abraham next, is that he is a man of courage. As we said at the beginning, courage and faith are much the same, but in reality... Courage is doing something that you're afraid to do anyway. And so he courageously goes to the defense of his nephew who's gotten into trouble with his neighbor and fights a battle to save his nephew and his nephew's family. He courageously goes before God when his nephew's in trouble because now he's living in the city of Sodom and God has already promised to destroy that city for its wickedness. And Abraham courageously negotiates with God now listen if it's the same God who says I'm going to strike this city and there won't be anything left but dust and ash then I'd say it's a pretty courageous thing to do to look at that same God and say so could we just talk over a couple of the details (laughs) you know as Dave Ramsey likes to say if God can take you out and leave a grease space where you a grease spot where you were it might be worthy of more respect to give God. And Abram is courageous enough to negotiate with God because he views God as a friend, but a friend who's in charge and with all the authority. So we have to admire this man's amazing courage. And it's throughout. And I think that if you become a man of faith where you trust God implicitly in all things and directly in all things, you find your courage goes where your faith goes because they're character qualities. And so you trust God has your finances right now, even though your job has been hurt by this COVID-19 thing. You trust God that your family is going to be protected even though you can't know that for sure, not even as a friend of God, but you trust God anyway. Because what you can believe in, even when God doesn't appear to act in your best interests, is you can still believe in God's character. You can still believe in God's authentic, absolute authority over all creation and his de- absolute love for you. And you have to understand that he views you as an eternal being because you've joined his household, which is an eternal household. So if he doesn't deliver you from death, if he doesn't deliver you from everything that you think God should deliver you from, it doesn't change who God is. It just changes where you spend your time with God or in what condition you spend your time with God. That's faith that requires courage and courageous faith is to be is the highest quality of a man after God's own heart. A man that God would call his friend. Let us pray. Almighty God, thank you. Please bless your word, burn it upon your hearts of your people, and help them to be men and women after your own heart. Help them to learn from Abraham. And learn from these times and help them to be part of the way that Shiloh becomes a church more dedicated to discipleship, true, authentic discipleship than ever before. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.